Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! Lamar Odom has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out! Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another season of your favorite podcast. That's right. Rody Baseline, back for another year, and the start of the new era in Rody basketball. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Archie Miller in town. Not on the episode, though, but I'm joined with the next best person, Gary, my co-host. How you doing, Gary Bear? That's right, Andrew. It's a new era in Rody basketball, a new era and a new season of Rody Baseline uh, here. For everyone who's listening, thank you for tuning in to Season 3 of Roadie Baseline. As always, you can follow us Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Roadie Baseline. Now, obviously, make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating for us. That would be great as well. And we have a jam-packed episode for our season preview this week, don't we, Andrew? Yes, we do. We have, you got Stuck with Gary and I talking for a little bit, and then we have the Roadie Insider, Chris DeSano, and the women's head coach, Tammy Reese. And then we got some... I know Gary and I, have been, it's a little late for us to release our first episode, but we've been working on some things. we got some special, special surprises lined up for this year, but we won't get into those, right, Gary? Yeah, we got some, uh, some surprise guests coming on the show. We'll talk about that later in the season, but let's jump right into it here. Obviously, if you've been hiding under a rock and you missed our last episode last season, Rhode Island has hired Archie Miller as its new head coach, and he has brought in a good amount of players that we will talk about in our preview with Chris Lasano coming up in the next couple minutes. But this roadie team is starting out tonight against Quinnipiac at the Ryan Center and, and a great start for this team and a, a chance to show the fans uh, how things are uh, changed here in Kingston, right, Andrew? Yes, yes. It, and it starts right there with the new court, the new coach, the new team, a lot of new, new, new. But you also, just like last season, I don't think Quimpiac is your typical opening night blowout type of win. Quimpiac is a solid, solid team. And just like Coach Miller mentioned in his press conference last week, this team can shoot. They have a great coaching staff. And it's not going to be your typical blowout opening night. So you definitely can't overlook it. And then in... I'm just really, really excited to finally be able to get back to the Ryan Center and see all you watch some basketball. And I can't wait to see what the future holds. But if we're talking strictly X's and O's, I'm worried about this Quimpiac team. Their record last year wasn't the best, but they, they can certainly put up the points. And we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the one thing, and I, I say this to people all the time, the leaves change, 
you know, football's in full swing, baseball's ending, and college basketball just sneaks up right in the corner, and, and it's it's finally time. And we've gotten a, a glimpse of this team at the Blue and White scrimmage a couple days ago, but in reality, it's a, a whole new ballgame for this Rhodey basketball team. With that, let's jump right in. We were able to chat with the Rhodey insider Chris Tassano uh, on the podcast and able to preview this men's basketball team. Let's go to that interview now. All right, guys, we are joined now by Chris Tassano, the roadie insider, uh, also now has many job titles, including uh, working for Your View, also uh, the color commentator at the Ryan Center alongside Steve McDonald uh, at this point. Chris, thank you for joining Roadie Baseline on this uh, season preview episode. Absolutely. Great to be here with you guys. Chris, I guess the main thing we can start with is uh, what an offseason it was in is this where you thought it would, we'd be coming in on a November 7th going into the Quimpiat game with a new coach, new team, and a lot of buzz around the squad? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and a great place to start. I mean, it's I still remember, you know, after the loss to Richmond in D.C., uh, I was on the road, you know, a, a day or so later and, and got the call that a coaching change, you know, was being made and uh, you know, I, I think the way that Rhode Island sputtered over the previous couple of years, uh, that obviously wasn't a, a, a monumental surprise to many, but the, you know, the sight lines quickly shifted to who was going to replace, you know, Coach David Cox, you know, who would be retained, all the types of, you know, tumultuous questions that you get into when, when a transition begins. And, you know, to have a guy like Archie Miller, you know, 206 and 121 in his career, four straight NCAA tournaments at Dayton, uh, obviously deep, deep runs there, you know, and then a guy that had the ability after going, you know, big time at Indiana to sit a year out, gain perspective and really understand the type of job that he wanted to get back into, you know, pretty unbelievable for him to be back uh, at Rhode Island. And it's great for the Atlantic 10. You know, it's a league that, as you guys know, I've covered as a whole for 15 years and it's always been a league with terrific coaches. I think the coaching contingent in the league this year is as good as it has been in many, many years. And Archie coming back into the league uh, has a great deal to do with that. You know, tons of turnover as well. Some familiar faces back, thankfully, because you always need those anchor guys to, to be there for you when you're starting a, a rebuild. Not from scratch per se, but it's certainly a rebuild. And uh so that's nice to see. And obviously, Archie and his staff ad added a lot of talented newcomers. So looking forward to seeing the promise of these guys as they, you know, as they hit the hardwood this year and beyond. Yeah, totally. I guess the one question that I would ask is not many of us. Obviously, when Hurley left, we kind of knew what we were getting with Cox because he was on the staff for a few years. What do you what would you say the biggest difference on the court that we'll see with an Archie Miller run team as opposed to a David Cox run team from last season? Well, you know, I think maybe not even going straight comparison, but just what I know about Archie Miller's teams in general is, and you can see the way that he is beginning, he and his staff are beginning to put the pieces together for this team. It's a very purposeful collection of student athletes, you know, guys that have a certain winner's mentality about them that, you know, he feels from a complimentary peace standpoint are going to be able to grow together and play together. Uh, you know, a few of the guys through the transfer portal, but guys with multi-year eligibility uh, and then a few obviously true freshmen as well. Um, you know, I, Miller's teams, 
are solid defensively, don't foul a lot, understand how to be in gaps, are cohesive uh, as a defensive unit. Offensively, they like to get out there and attack. Uh, he wants, you know, and, and, this, and for this particular team, and we can get into this if you guys want to. I mean, one of the issues is going to be half-court scoring. And so it's going to be incumbent upon this team to try to push pace. And when they're in the half-court, to really have some quick-hitting actions and attack when the opportunity presents. So, you know, Miller's an intense guy. He is an organized guy. Uh, he has great, great perspective, again, through his years of coaching and, and really that, you know, that, that year – in broadcasting, you know, quite frankly, doing the podcast with Goodman and Douster and, you know, using his network and, and just time away from the floor to see it from a different perspective. So I, I, I'm really excited about what he's going to bring and, uh, you know, and, and where these guys go this year. Yeah, me too. And I love the way you make it sound is it's going to be a lot of fast pace. And as a fan of basketball, I love I mean, I'm a big guy and I can't really run that fast, but I still love <laughs> Still love the fast-paced game. It's just more exciting to me personally. Yeah. Now the thing that's going to be, you know, interesting for these guys is that, as you guys know too, from from looking at the roster, right? You've got some bigs, but you've got young big men, and rebounding is going to be certainly an area that you you've got a spotlight for this team. If you're going to run, you've got to either, you know, you can do it a few different ways, right? You can force turnovers. You can push pace. You know, maybe through some pressure here and there, even if it's non-turnover forcing pressure, it's just sort of pace pushing pressure. You've got to, you know, hit the defensive glass to be able to rebound and run. And so when we think about, you know, this team getting out and pushing pace, it'll be interesting because you've got young bigs. So for me, what I'm looking at is sort of the competitive grit and toughness of the guards in particular, because I think the guards, it, look, these guys are going to have to send probably five guys to the defensive glass, you know, as this team coalesces and, you know, gets its cohesion together. And so can they do that effectively to be able to defensive rebound? If you're sending five in, then nobody gets to cheat a little bit, you know, and hang out there to really start and push things for you. So once you do that and you collect the defensive rebound, can you push that pace, you know, 94 feet, and really get out there and run the way that you want to. And obviously it all starts with playing good defense, right? You don't get a, a terrible shot and you don't even get a rebound attempt if you're not getting in the gaps and making people take tough twos. So it, it'll be really interesting to see beginning with Quinnipiac. Yeah, totally. And one more before we move on to like the talking about the new look faces and the game on the non-conference as a whole. You mentioned earlier that Archie took a year off and all his networking and all that stuff. URI really hasn't had this big of an image on them with basketball and a high-profile name and all that stuff. How do you think the team and the university as a whole is going to adapt to all these eyes on them? And obviously, in the long run, it's going to be a great thing for the university, but do you think it could be slow starting and a bad thing for the university at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think the university is is in a great place. President Parlange, I, I have not met personally, but uh, I have heard, you know, terrific accounts uh, of him from a number of different, you know, folks that I know. Uh, obviously, Thor was instrumental, and, and Archie has said as much multiple times and, and continues to beat that drum in any, you know, public interview that he has, you know, in terms of 
being able to relay uh, the vision, you know, that he and the athletic department have for where the program um, can go. The financial commitment, you know, has certainly been made to Archie. And, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. At the same time, the, the, I think the star got pretty bright um, during Dan's years yeah. here, you know, and Dan was great at crafting a narrative and an external message. He also knew how to use his connections, whether it was Zagoria down in New York or, you know, other guys, from, you know, whether the, the Rothstein types. Um, and I think, you know, did pretty solid job, you know, of, again, leveraging his networks. You know, and of course, the only way you, you can really scale that leverage is if you win basketball games. And they certainly did during his time. So I, I think the university will be equipped and is equipped, you know, to to grow uh, with this program as it hopefully takes the steps forward that I think everybody anticipates it's going to take over the next couple of years. Now, that leads me, you know, leads us to a, a great point here before we start uh, chatting a little bit more about the team. Obviously, Rody and the preseason poll in the A-10 picked ninth, you know, to finish ninth in the, the A-10. We want to get your thoughts a little bit on, you know, do we think that that ranking is, you know, too low? You know, obviously, we don't think they'll be, they should have been in the top four. But do you think that, you know, there's not enough eyes or, or people are kind of underestimating this team a little bit? You know, I don't. Uh, I, I think it's about where they belong preseason. And that's not to suggest that I, I don't think they could overshoot that. You know, by a couple of spots, because as we all know, in the Atlantic 10, sometimes the difference between, you know, fifth place and 11th place is two conference games. Uh, you know, I mean, even last year, I, I think a team like GW, uh, where they also, you know, underwent a coaching change, you know, at season's end with Jamie and Christian on the way out and, you know, Chris Caputo on the way in. I think GW might have finished eighth in the league. And, and I forgot what their uh, exact conference record was last year, but you know, with, with one more loss, they might've been, you know, down at 11. So, you know, is there a chance for Rody to overshoot the nine? Of course. But I also, you know, I, I look at this team and I see a team uh, that has obviously lost a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not crying tears over all of the losses necessarily. I think in the long run, this team's going to be uh, better for it. Um, but, They've got a really young collection of guards right now. Even a guy like Brayon Freeman, who was on the all-rookie team in the Atlantic 10 last year, still kid's still just a sophomore. And, you know, you look at some of the teams in the Atlantic 10 with, you know, the veteran guard depth and the, and the battle-tested nature of their teams, it's a tough slog. It's a tough slog every year. So, you know, I, I think what remains to be seen is, is how these guys come together and coalesce. Could they overshoot that? Or are there a couple of teams I think that are ranked a little high? Yeah. I mean, personally, massive, you know, he'd probably kill me if you heard me saying this because we've been, you know, we've developed a relationship over the last 15 years, but I think Richmond might be a little bit high. Uh, you know, Chris Mooney's a terrific coach, but when you lose Jacob Gilliard and, you know, you're, um, you're banking on, you know, one point guard who redshirted last year, and then Gustafson, who's a nice player in the backcourt, but, you know, certainly doesn't have, you know, the type of veteran firepower, decision-making, you know, drink-stirring skills. Yeah, Richmond's got it. You know, they have a couple of kids. They've got big man transfer from Lafayette with great ball skills. They've got Tyler Burton. There's still some, you know, there's still great pieces there. But guards win, man. Guards win. It's, it's the same reason why I love St. Louis over Dayton. You know, they've got a stable of guards. 
you know, from Gary Collins to Gibson Jimerson to Fred Thatch to Javon Pickett, a transfer in from Missouri. You know, I'm, I'm forgetting a fifth guard right now um, for the Billikens, who's, you know, terrific and tested as well. So uh, guards win. I think URI's guards are going to need a little bit of time, even though they have talent. Uh, and obviously the bigs are a very young core too. And as you bring up the guards, that brings us into talking about the team in general. Before we get to all the new faces, I want to talk about the old faces. Obviously, Ishleget and Malik are the two that everybody is ex- knows what to expect from. But with Sebastian entering his sophomore year and Jalen Carey seeming to be more involved this year, I guess is the word I'm looking for, than he was previous. What do you think we can expect from Sebastian and Jalen Carey this season as they move into a new era with Coach Mill? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm glad you, you brought both of those guys up. So let, let's start with Jalen because he's a guy that technically by class, right, is more of a veteran. But in terms of playing experience, he really had a couple of years, you know, where he was on the shelf and started to find his way much more last year. Uh, as we know, his shooting percentages came up, which is pretty impressive considering he was on a team that really didn't pass the ball very effectively, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, you've, you've got to look at that and say that most of what he's getting was probably off, you know, on, on ball creation um, on his own and, you know, and just trying to essentially find some space for himself and, you know, and then elevate and shoot in rhythm. So uh, I think he took some great steps forward. I'd love to see Jalen Carey, continue and I think we will see this under Archie Miller to operate better off the ball to move without the ball he's such a great dynamic slithery athlete that I think he can take advantage of that you know natural quickness uh, that he has in terms of his movement off the ball I think you're going to see Jalen Carey attack much more and much more decisively this year as well Um, you know Archie doesn't like a lot of lateral stuff uh, for the sake of being lateral uh, as most coaches don't um, and I think that you'll see a more decisive Jalen Carey. I like uh, Jalen Carey's promise this year to be a guy that really, for the first time, becomes a bit more of a, of a leadership voice uh, on a college basketball team and for a program. So uh, I'm interested to see, you know, how he gets off the ground this year. Ish Leggett is, is terrific. I mean, again, it's third year here now, but he's a redshirt sophomore. Got a couple of years under his belt. In terms of playing meaningful minutes, he's a guy that, as we know, really does have that grit. And I think that grit is going to be sorely needed on this team. And so he's a guy that I know Archie Miller you know, can count on from a, you know, from a competitive floor. He knows what Leggett is going to bring you know, on a game-to-game basis. As far as Thomas is concerned, I, you know, I've, I've seen these guys, I've, I've been at practice a little bit. Thomas looks great. You know, as we know, he um, has terrific vision. He had that last year. He plays with pace, right? And, and for Archie Miller, a guy who, you know, wants to push pace and knows that with this particular collection of personnel, he, you know, he and they need to push pace to be as effective as they can. They have to push it responsibly too, right? Because it's, Pace is fantastic, but if you're helter-skelter and you're turning the ball over 18 times, then pace really doesn't work for you. But Thomas showed a caretaking ability uh, last year as well with basically a you know, two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. Did a nice job for these guys. So you know, he'll be on the floor more. He'll be put in spots where you know, he, he needs to continue to carry the same decision-making 
in limited minutes as he gets probably exposed to a greater minute share um, this year for this team. But his um, from a physical standpoint, you know, he, he looks he looks stronger. He looks like a sophomore to me this year. His jumper certainly you can you can get on the gun and shoot you know five hundred thousand shots a day. I don't know what Sebastian's been doing, but it certainly seems like he's been doing some work because his shot does look more fluid. His release looks more fluid than it did a year ago. And that's, that's a great sign. Yeah. And I think as, probably he, one as of he develops, yeah, as he develops, you know, a little bit of a, uh, the other thing I think you guys will see is um, it looks like he's developing a little bit of a floater. And I think that can help him uh, as well on piercing drives. Ooh, I love floaters. Now, obviously, we're chatting about the, you know, the players returning. Uh, who are some of the new faces that uh, Rorty fans should uh, keep an eye on this year uh, that are coming in under RG? Well, you know, I talked about the, the, the easiest place to start is, you know, third team preseason all-conference selection, uh, Brayon Freeman. He is a very, very offensively talented basketball player. Obviously, you also you know, you know what you're going to get from a conversion standpoint, right? Because he's not coming in from another league. He's played in the Atlantic 10. Um, he has, you know, uh, he understands the styles of play, you know, at least a fair amount of teams across the board, right? I mean, certainly we, we've had some coaching changes in the league. Um, so he's going to have to adapt to some new styles as everybody, but he's at least got a core understanding um, of this league, the level of talent that's in it. Um, and just little nuanced things, you know, that you learn freshman year in terms of, you know, the timing and spacing that, that you think you have versus the, the way that, you know, an Atlantic 10 level player um, can close that space uh, in an instant on you. And so he's he's gone through that already and had a productive year at GW where he really played well down the stretch in particular. And he played well on a, on a team that had a couple of other scoring options uh, in James Bishop. Bamasil, who really could dominate the ball at times as well. So he still managed to get his points on that team, um, even not being a, a primary option for those guys as a freshman. So, you know, he, he can score it uh, at three levels. He can, you know, certainly get to the bucket. And I think that there'll be a, you know, there'll be a prioritization uh, on the part of Miller to, to try to get him to the bucket because, you know, it's, it's all about, drawing fouls and conversion and how that can impact your opponent's defense in terms of personnel that, you know, can be on the floor versus off the floor. If they're in foul trouble, you put pressure on guys. And, and that's what these guys are going to try to do. So I, I think he'll be right at the forefront of that for Archie and company. One name that jumped out at me this whole season, because obviously I saw his highlight video, which I can't remember the last time I saw somebody shoot like that is Rory Stewart. Do you think he's going to have a role like, a role on this team. Stewart has uh, a, a good frame, um, has a, uh, as you've seen from, from the highlights, um, certainly is, is a guy that they can use in, you know, pick and pop type actions, has a really sweet looking shot for a guy of his size. You know, I expect that Stewart will play some, but it's always about the defensive side as well. And I think that Stewart, needs to continue to, uh, you know, and first of all, look, I'm just a bald Italian guy hanging out in an office right now, right. Talking to you guys. So, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, all of these kids, uh, have terrific promise. They're, you know, uh, the coaching staff has seen, uh, elements in their character 
you know, in their skill level that they're excited about. Um, so they're expecting every one of these guys to contribute in some way, shape or form, whether it's immediately or whether it takes a little bit of time. Back to my point about Stewart, I, I think for him, it's just where is he on the defensive end? Um, if I'm looking at his foot speed, does he have the foot speed and the lateral quickness does he have the ability to sort of turn his hips and guard out on the perimeter? Um, if he's put in ball screen situations by opposing guards, is he going to be able to use that frame of his on the interior, you know, against guys who are really going to get off the ground, you know, quickly and, and attack the offensive glass um, with a little bit more purpose and understanding if they're upperclassmen. So I, I think it's all of those adjustments and just learnings on the defensive end that will dictate um, how many minutes he earns um, for this team moving forward. Certainly he can shoot it. Um, and that's a great skill to have. And there may be a zone, you know, that's played against Rhode Island because I'm sure they're going to see some of that, you know, and he may come in to try to help bust that. Um, but ultimately staying on the floor is going to require him growing um, just as rapidly on the defensive end. So but I think there's a lot of promise there. As far as Weston, you know, Weston is a kid, top 100 kid, again, really hasn't played a lot in the last couple of years. I think, you know, there's going to be expected rust there, but you can tell just by looking at him and watching him that there's, you know, a great deal of talent. You know, his, his body looks slender and chiseled. You know, I think that that's, you know, a great deal due to, of course, his own hard work and, you know, URI's strength and conditioning coach, Dan Apodaca, who has worked with all these guys. Uh, I think Weston is going to be a huge piece um, for this team moving forward. He's not the same height as this guy, but to me, I see a little bit of Will Daniels in Brandon Weston. And what I mean by that is when Will Daniels first started he was just still building that comfort level um, as a freshman. I, I remember just, you know, seeing him receive a pass on the perimeter and, you know, he, he, nece he wouldn't necessarily, you know, attack and exploit the way that maybe he could because he just needed to get that comfort level back and his timing back and the confidence back from being on the floor and, you know, just trusting in his own skills. I think that as Weston just continues to get more, court time, so to speak, and more minutes and be put in those situations, we're going to see his comfort level rise. At least that's what I expect. And that he's going to become a, a really positive contributor um, for this team. I, I just think, you know, as with a lot of these guys who are either, you know, new in terms of being true freshmen or guys that are transfers and, and are dripping with talent, but just haven't played a ton. He just needs burn on the court. And uh, as he gets it, um, we're all going to see good things. Yeah, I love, I love it, and I'm very excited to see how these guys play. But as we get ready to end, end things here with you, Chris, and we thank you very much for coming on again. Sure. Outside of the PC game, because that's a whole different animal, what do you expect and what would be a solid non-conference feel going into conference play for this team? Well, first of all, I think the non-conference schedule is a good non-conference schedule for this particular team, right? Scheduling is, 
you know, in, in, in inexact science, um, this is not a team that is trying to schedule for postseason play right now. Let's just be honest with ourselves, right? It's a team that is largely younger, that's integrating a lot of new pieces, you know, along uh, with one, you know, real true veteran one in, in Malik, um, but in, integrating a lot of new pieces. And what you want is a schedule that allows you, a non-conference schedule that allows you to build some confidence, build some cohesion, test yourself in certain spots strategically, but not be, you know, overwhelmed and, and, and broken, you know, by playing, uh, you know, a, a John Cheney temple schedule, you know, from the early 80s, you know, where, where you're going up against, you know, 19 top 25 teams. So, you know, for these guys, uh, I think, and I know I'm going to sound like a coach here, but uh, I think it's just all about taking Quinnipiac in stride right now. And then you certainly have winnable games against Texas State and Stony Brook, but don't sleep on Texas State, by the way. Uh, that guy is 39 and Terrence Johnson is 39 and 15 in his first two years there. They are back-to-back regular season Sunbelt champions. Um, and while they did lose, you know, a, a couple of key performers from last year's team, you know, he's got a, a real pedigree and a good thing going there. So, you know, fortunately that game's at home and it is a winnable game, you know, for an Atlantic 10 team uh, like Rhode Island for sure. I just want to see these guys build confidence and, you know, come out of that non-conference schedule, you know, with, uh, with a handful of wins. I mean, if you look, if you look down that non-conference schedule, you get Quinnipiac, Texas state, Gino Ford at Stony Brick. Then you get the Caymans where I'm really excited to go. That'll be fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know, and you start with Kansas state there and then you never know if it's going to be Nevada or Western Kentucky or, you know, some of the other solid programs You've got, you know, at Boston College where Grant's still, you know, trying to get that thing going. You you take out PC, then you've got, you know, three or four really winnable ones, Brown, Army, UMass Lowell, and then at Georgia State. Any game on the road is tough. I don't care who you play. And particularly when you're taking a team that, you know, that'll really be only their second true road game. First one at, at BC, you know, and, and then Georgia State is their second true road game. So that, that won't be an easy game, but. And they've had a coaching change too, Georgia State. So I, I got to tell you guys, I'm a couple of weeks ahead, but I'm not nine weeks ahead or ten weeks ahead. So, well, I guess that's only six, as crazy as it sounds. But um, right. that's my that's my way of saying I do not know the Georgia State roster yet where they stand. But I know it's a road game. I know they've had a coaching change, and um, you know, and then you finally come back with Milwaukee before you start Atlantic Ten play at Duquesne. So. You know, look, I, I think if these guys are, are over 500, um, you know, by a few games in non-conference play, uh, that that would be, you know, a, a wonderful thing. If we're looking at that non-conference schedule and let's see, you got one, two, three, three in the Caymans is six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. You know, if you're eight and five, I think that's pretty darn good, um, you know, for, for this particular team. You know, nobody should be expecting this team to be 10 and three. Um, they're they're going to win some games that, and you're going to be like, like, wow, that's that's pretty terrific. And then they're going to have a head scratcher or two. So let's just brace ourselves for it, whether we get a shades on and sit back and enjoy it like they're going to have a head scratcher, you know, or two here and there. But, you know, that's what it's about when you're in year one of, of a rebuild and, you know, you're resetting that competitive floor and you're putting these guys who are all going to, you know, for the most part, you know, with the exception of a couple of them who are all going to play together for multiple years. That's what it's about. It's about building cohesion and, uh, and teaching these guys, 
you know, what it means to truly get out there and compete and play for one another. And uh, I think Miller and his staff are undoubtedly going to do that. And I think that as this program moves forward uh, over the next, you know, two, three years uh, and beyond, we're in for some really happy times. So with that, we want to thank Chris Desano, the Roadie Insider, for joining us uh, here on Roadie Baseline. Obviously, you can follow Chris on Twitter at C Desano, D-I-S-A-N-O, 44 on Twitter. He's also the color analyst for Learfield and obviously for your view as well. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for previewing this Roadie men's basketball team with us. It's hopefully going to be a good season. We'll hopefully be chatting with you soon once again. Thanks, guys, and uh, definitely look forward to catching up down the road. All right. We want to thank Chris for joining us, and we look forward to having a great, great season and this season with the men's team. And it all starts Monday night or tonight, 7 o'clock, against Quinpiac, who last season, Gary, was one win away from the NCAA tournament, and they fell to St. Peter's, who we all know was the Cinderella team last year. But in... So if that's any indication, if they were one win away from the tournament, how tough this first game is going to be. And then after that, you got you have Texas State, and then we got Brown right around, or Boston College right around the corner, and then we're going to the Cayman Islands. I wish we were going to the Cayman Islands. But with that being said, I think we need to also now turn our focus to the women's team, who also, even though they're returning their coach, they're coming off probably – arguably one of the best seasons in all of URI women's basketball, but they have plenty of new faces as well. Yeah, this uh, this team has picked up a whole bunch of transfers this year and a, a couple new players and obviously a couple departing players as well. Also forgetting one of the biggest things that happened to the women's program this offseason, and that was head coach Tammy Reese signing a massive, massive experience extension. You're right about that. I, I completely forgot. Yeah, Tammy Reese and Thor Bjorn getting the job done with Tammy signing a unprecedented 10-year contract, uh, which is, is mind-boggling. It's not something you hear about all the time uh, with coaches signing that long of a deal, but Thor wanted to keep her in Kingston for the long haul, and I know that myself, and I, I can tell that Andrew will agree with this as well, that I think it was a great decision. Yeah, I think it was, It not only does it show the faith that the university has in Tammy Reese, but it also shows the faith that Coach Reese has in in the university. And not for not, I know there was a lot of talk about Coach Reese leaving for other schools, but the loyalty means something to Coach Reese, and this just shows that. I outside of. Outside of the big names like Gino and Pat Summit and all those other names, I know those are big names to throw around. You don't really hardly see coaches stick around places too much, but if Tammy Reese is going to be around here for the next 10 years, I'm ecstatic for that. And I, President Mark Parlange and Thor Bjorn this offseason are the real MVPs for bringing in Archie Miller keeping Tammy Reese around for 10 years. Hell, the football team and all their improvements, it's a great day, as Stone Freeman would say, it's a great day to be a Ram. And with the men playing at home, the women are on the road against Harvard at Harvard. Harvard last year with a 13-14 record. Uh, little little tough uh, 
tough year for them, but this women's team is coming off a tough season as well with the heartbreaking loss in the A-10 women's tournament and obviously bringing a bunch of new faces into the team. Let's jump right in and jump into our conversation with Tammy Reese uh, uh, here on Rody Baseline. All right, Rody Baseline fans, we are joined by our favorite guest on the podcast. She has been on multiple episodes of Rody Baseline, a huge supporter from day one. It is women's basketball head coach Tammy Reese joining us on the season preview episode of Rody Baseline. Coach Reese, it's uh, good to have you back on the podcast. It's awesome to be back, Gary. New year. Let's go. Oh, yeah. A lot to talk about the uh, huge change in this women's team all around. So let, let's uh, let's jump right in. First thing I do want to mention, towards the end of the season last year, right after the Atlantic 10 tournament, uh, you and Thor got together and agreed on a uh, 10-year contract extension. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and and the story on, you know, keeping you here for the long haul? Well, I think there was a point during the season where jokingly I said to Thor, you know, Thor, we keep winning, you know, I'll stay. Just give me a 10 year deal. And I said it and I was laughing. I walked away and then I got a phone call from him at a point towards the end of the season. I think it was just before the A-10 tournament. It was somewhere in there. I don't remember the exact day, but it was the end of the season. And, and Thor said, hey, listen, Tammy, I know you're focused on postseason and you're focused on, you know, the team, but I want to talk to you about, you know, a deal. And remember, and then he said, remember when you said that 10 year deal, you know, we want to keep you here and, and we want to start discussions on, on talking. And, and so that's how it came about um, off the cuff, a joke that at the end turned serious. If, if you meant that, well, then let's get this done. And you know, Thor and, and the president, they didn't waste time and they didn't let other schools slip in and try to negotiate before them. Because not too long after that, I did get the call from Virginia. In fact, I got the call from them while, while I was at the A-10 tournament. And so Thor was the first one to reach out even before Virginia and before Syracuse. So, and I was committed. I love it here. And so if they were going to make that commitment, where I am in my life right now as a 52-year-old, as much as I love it here, what we were building, what we have coming in, all the pieces for me and off the court mainly, my life, it just was a whirlwind of fit perfect here. And they gave me everything I asked for. They gave my assistants what they asked for. And I just, I couldn't say no because I'm happy here and I love it here. And so that's how that 10-year deal came about behind the scenes. I, I just want to say, you know, and obviously, you know, for people listening on the podcast and not seeing the smile that's on your face, right? And I, and I think that the the Rody fans can can understand that the the happiness that you have here, the, you know, the love, the support, you know, from all around the university, whether it's the president, whether it's the fans, whether it's people that travel, you know, from game to game to come see you guys, um, that there's definitely a palpable buzz um, in the air. And and it's something that we wanted, you know, I know from my point of view, seeing that, you know, made me very happy to, you know, keep you here as long as we can, because the changes and the remarkable, you know, change of pace that we've seen from this women's basketball team uh, is not something that we've seen in a very long time. And it makes, uh, uh, makes all of us a, a little happier as well. 
Now, obviously, now, obviously, you you brought up assistant coaches as well. Uh, I do want to talk about an assistant coach that you know was promoted on the staff. Uh, talk a little bit about the promotion for uh, Megan Chanaker. Well, you know, I don't think people understand first a, a promotion from it kind of goes like this. You work your way up. An assistant coach is someone who's been loyal, who's worked for you, who's grown, who's done a great job to the full capacity, who you feel is ready to take that next step, whether it be a, a head coaching job somewhere else or here. You know, you you don't know, but they earn that. It's not based off of anyone you have on your staff already, because we've had Agni Amadou as an associate head coach, and he came in with that title because he had been working with me for years, and I, I know what he brought to the table. And so he came in as an associate head coach. Now, Meg earned that title, and you could have three associate head coaches on your staff. has nothing to do with each other. It has to do with them and their level of growth and commitment to the program. And if they're ready to be an associate head coach, Meg happens to be an associate head coach of recruiting American and defensive coordinator. So she's earned that right to be named an associate head coach. A lot of people were calling me going, well, where's Amadou going? He's not going anywhere. Her promotion has nothing to do with him. So that's how associate head coach works for me. Now, eventually, the next step is you become a head coach or a head coach in waiting. So there's there's level of progression to earn that title. And um, Meg's earned it through her hard work and diligence. She's grown so much in so many areas of the program that I felt that that she earned that right and that title. And, and that's why she got it this summer is you know, I, I feel that both Megan and Agni, at some point, they're ready now to become head coaches uh, and they're grooming themselves to be that. That's that's their goal eventually, um, whether it be here, or whether it be somewhere else. Um, but they're both they're on the precipice of being ready to be a head coach. Now, that that brings me to a follow up question here. Obviously, you went through a, a path and we've talked about it on the podcast of, you know, going from you know, being the assistant coach and not thinking you were ready to be a head coach. Do you feel that you're kind of being able to instill that wisdom into them to get them, you know, in that mentality of saying, you know, when you're ready, you know, get your wings and fly. I'm, I'm okay about it, but I'm trying to, you know, get you to that point, similar to a position that you were in at Syracuse. Well, they know I'm a growth head coach. Now, not every head coach in, in college basketball has that mentality. A lot of them dominate practice or they dominate drills or they, they're a lot of me, 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 and they, they hold on tight to it. Um, they don't prep them for marketing, budget, fundraising, all the different business aspects outside of just your X and O responsibility, your coaching responsibility. And so, you know, I give them a lot of, a lot of responsibility. They teach. It's why I think they're ready to become head coaches from an X and O standpoint, it's because I give them the growth. I, I don't compartmentalize or box them in. You're only allowed to do this. You're not, don't leave your lane. Now I've worked for coaches like that. There's a reason why you don't grow as an assistant coach, because you're not allowed to, if you're boxed into, you just do these two things. Stop. You're, you're not growing in these other areas. So a lot of times you get under the wrong head coach. You don't, you're not allowed to grow. You have to work on it yourself behind the scenes, but you may not have a voice in practice because they don't allow you to. 
They, you may not have a offensive package. They don't allow you to. And so I'm a growth minded coach because when I meet with them and they tell me their goals at the end of the year, when we reevaluate, did I grow you in these areas that you wanted to grow? And then I critique them. They critique me. That's what analysis and, and end of the year meetings are for. And so I've known they both want to be head coaches from day one. And they're all about growth. If you want to grow as an assistant and you want that responsibility, then come work for me because I'll give it to you when you earn it. And then you, you get it. Meg is our defensive coordinator. A lot of times you'll see her running our defensive side of the ball. Now I'm the big picture, but she's doing all the drills. She's, she's teaching. It's her voice. She's ready and she's confident. Agni, offensive side of the package. Now I'm grooming them to Kima into blobs and slobs and transition D and trying to give those to her. But in the end, you know, they all also have a say in everything we do, but they're specialists. But in the end, I couldn't be any prouder of when Meg or Agni, they get that head job. You know, I was a part of that's my coaching tree. You should be proud of that. I want them to grow. And so that that's just my mindset. And that also keeps people very happy when they feel that their value, they have a value in this program. They have a worth. I depend on them and I let them know every day. And so that's very important to me because during my growth and my process, I had some head coaches. I didn't learn a thing. I regressed. I had other head coaches where, man, I got better. I got really good. And because they allowed me to grow and they gave me more and they, they got me ready. It just took me longer because I think I had a lot of non-growth coaches <laughs> initially. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not, I loved being an assistant so much, you know, some, they're aggressive with, you know, nowadays when you want to be a head coach, you have to be aggressive. They're, they're not just giving jobs away. You got to go get them. And so they're in that aggressive mindset too, which I love. And they're like that. No T I want that. No T let's, let's do it this way. No T they're constantly challenging. They're constantly trying to get better. And I love it about them. I love it about all three of my assistants. Gotta love it there. Uh, now uh, switching gears a little bit, obviously lost a couple of players last year, you know, very proud of where they are, um, you know, from what we're seeing on social media, uh, all doing great strides there, but you've brought in a good amount of players you know, let's let's hear from you. You know these uh, these newcomers that are coming into this roadie team. Couple of transfers coming in. Well, you know they all bring something special to the table. Well, I'll start with the point guard. Say say I brought her in because she played at a very high level. Now she was injured a lot of her playing career, but she played at the BCS level, meaning Rutgers and Florida State, and and saw great competition in both leagues. And so the experience level from the point guard coming in, what was important to me, because we were bringing another freshman in and we lost our starting point guard and our backup point guard. So Say brings that, that kind of experience, that finesse, that leadership capability from the point guard position and, and kind of likes, you know, to score three level score, um, shoot the three, pull up. Mostly she loves things off the bounce. And so that's why I brought, we brought Say in as a coaching staff. We ran and got Emma because we needed to improve our three-point shooting, our shooting in general. And Emma is a great three-point shooter. When you have Dolly, who's 42%, and people are running around face guarding her and, and packing the paint on everyone else, 
we thought offensively, we need to be able to stretch the floor. We need to be able to, to take and make threes. And especially if we have monsters inside that they can't double and they can't pack the paint on us. And so Emma, again, in conference, natural, like that was a no brainer. When I saw her hit the portal, uh, us as a coaching staff said, we need that. And she knows the conference. So that's Emma Squires. Madison Haddox-Cummington, great athlete, great defender, great athleticism from the guard spot. And, and so we thought we needed on the wing losing, you know, Desi and MP that we needed someone that could get out and transition. And again, now Madison can shoot the three. She can pull up and she can get to the rim. Her biggest asset is transition player in defense and getting out and getting to the rim. And so that's why we brought Madison in. And then the last thing transferring conference was obviously everyone knows Tennant, Big T from Dayton. This was, if you could get this kid, and when I mean everyone in the country was after her, they were. Now she's banged up and she's she's going to, it's going to take some time to get her back healthy this season. And we're working on that, but no brainer. You know, we played against her. She dominated the paint defensively. She altered every one of our shots. Rebounder, unbelievable. And then she was always the third or fourth option on their offense. But when she gets the ball in the paint, it's a problem. And we want to make her a first option here. Not a, you know, when she comes back, oh, we'll be pounding the ball in the paint. So, you know, those are the, the transfers that we brought in. And they all had great experience, number one. They bring great experience, leadership. Three of them know the conference. They know how to play in the A-10 and they, they know what it's made of. And so that's why we went with the grad transfers and the, and the transfers we went with. And they were all very specific targets and they're all fitting in very, very well here. They are great kids. They're coachable. They, they, do, they do exactly what you ask them to do. And they play really, really hard. And that's the thing I really enjoy about them. Can't, I can't agree more. I, you know, watching, and we, we talked about this, you know, towards the end of the year, uh, when you, you know, you said you had bugs and in, in ears and talking and, you know, figuring things out, uh, that, you know, transfers in conference are going to be amazing. And I know that, uh, roadie fans can remember the two day in games that couldn't do anything. It's, it was impossible. So, uh, those are four big transfers for this team. And then what about, you know, some of the, the girls that have, are coming back? this year that we we haven't lost people are going to be really really thrilled with Maya Torre now she's been sitting behind you know Manu Tahan who's been an unbelievable player here and my Maya's been very patient and waiting and working and you know our our first two scrimmages you know she's been the leading scorer leading rebounder every day in practice you know she's the one she does it all rebounds can score defends runs the floor, our best athlete, um, her and, and Dutat from France, the, the freshmen, they're incredible athletes. And so Maya has really grown her game. I mean, grown her game. And, and I'm looking, you know, to have a big year from her. This is her breakthrough year. It, it really is. And then the other one who we give most improved to with Maya, who didn't see a lot of time last year, but I think she hit four threes the other day in this, in this close scrimmage. She's shooting the ball extremely well. And that's Sophie Phillips. Now talk about stretching the floor with Dolly. I think Dolly hit Dolly hit four threes too the other day. They both hit four. There's eight threes between them. But she's on a whole new level. And she didn't get a lot of playing time 
last year. But again, this kid is so coachable. I think she's the most coachable kid on our team. Between her and Emmy Renat, they really are. They're they're living the gym. They work on their game. They neither one of them saw a great deal of playing time last year, but Emmy did initially, but it didn't deter him and they've really improved coming back. So, you know, our staple Dolly's Dolly really improved her defense and her rebounding, which is what we've tried to get her to improve. Dolly can score it. She can shoot it, but now can Dolly defend and rebound. And so those returners really play a big part for us. We're very deep. We will play 10 to 12 kids this year because we are playing fast. It's a different team than last year you know, grinding it out in the half court. I couldn't get kids to run hard. I couldn't, we play deep, we play 10 to 12 and we run and they'll be going like this. And that's how fast we're playing. Now, initially it may look ugly, Gary, cause we're throwing the ball all over the gym, but eventually <laughs> by December, when we're playing at this pace and we start taking care of the basketball, it's going to be something special. And that's the process. That's the growth. And I got to be okay with the ugliness a little bit initially because we, we're trying to get them to run. And I don't just mean run, I mean run. At a pace where it's off the board, up past half court, three seconds, shots going up in five seconds. And you're like, whoa, we can't even get our zone set or our man set, because on a make, the ball's already past half court before we even hit half court. And that's the pace I want to play at. And so that's what the kid, kids are committed to. And being deep with our grad, our experience we brought in, and our returners growing so well. And then we have a couple really good freshmen. You know, Anel Dutat is an incredible rebounder athlete from France. And then the point guard, Ines. People are really going to love this kid. She got a motor. And I mean, if you love how fast Chantel played, Ines plays that fast on both sides of the ball. She's extremely fast, a great pusher. And so we got a lot of depth at every position. It's very competitive in practice. And now the kids have competition. If you no, you don't want to run, come sit next to me because the next one's going to. And they know that. So the, our kids can't hold us hostage this year. You don't want to play hard, come sit next to me. So-and-so will. And we've got that. You know, we've got a 6'6 six, six center in Anel, Annette Adler, who came from Estonia, who plays right now behind my A because big T's out as well. And then we got Hawa Kamara and, and Sophie Sandy. I've got three centers right now that are healthy with big T out. And so our depth is just amazing. And, you know, you need it because you never know what's going to happen with injuries and, and things of that nature. So we're just the, the one thing I love about our kids is they go hard and we're deep and you have those two things. You'll be fine. Come December, come when we're ready to tip off in the A-10 you know, we'll be ready. I just, I've never seen so much depth on team. I'm just going to say it, you know, I, I think that that, you know, that's going to be huge. And there's a lot of, a lot of names that people need to keep an eye on and, and be watching this season for this roadie women's team. Now, one thing that I do want to bring up, I know uh, during a 10 media day, uh, I think you were asked the question regarding, you know, how, you know, what the next step is, what, what do you want, you know, what are you looking to accomplish you know, for this team? You know, is it game by game? Are you looking at a 10 title, you know, NCAA birth? Uh, where do you want, you know, what are the expectations you would say for, for this team this year? Well, obviously we we've, we've done a goal sheet and, and the kids have, have done theirs. And it's funny because the coaching 
goals align straight with the kids' goals. And, and you know, I'll, I'll let everyone know them. You know, last year, it was all about winning. It was like, we got so focused on just winning a championship. That's all we talked about. It was like winning, winning, winning. And we, along the way, we lost sight of progressing and getting better every day and holding kids accountable. You ain't going to run the floor. I'm not playing you. I don't care if we lose. You're going to do what our culture says. And so we had so many things we, we kind of turned the other cheek to as far as our culture in order to win, thinking that we needed that to win. And then when we didn't win the title, we just, we lost our minds during the regular season. It was like a crushing blow that you could never rebound from. It was like when Mike Tyson got punched so hard and he finally lost that everyone saw him as not a menace anymore. And in, in his mind, he was no longer Mike Tyson. He was not the same man that walked in the ring. And it was like that. I could never get Mike Tyson back. I couldn't. And so this year, it's funny. The number one goal is our build and get better process of becoming a real team, a family, a united team that fights for each other, that does everything right, and is culture-based, that we're going to get better every day and grow. And in the end, we're going to be better day 200 than we are day one. That's a growth mindset. And they all said that. That's their number one goal. Not winning an A-10 championship is that. And don't lose that. And a lot of the returners said it, number one, because they saw what we did last year. And that's the end. That's the reason why we lost. And so that was their number one goal, which I was really proud of them because they realized why we lost. And so as a coaching staff, we all had that number one. They all had that number one. It was crazy. I loved it because now they're, they're, they're smart. They're becoming smarter players. Number two was they want to win an A-10 championship. So get better as a team, really grow at this team, chemistry, unite, win an A-10 championship. Third one was become the best defensive team in the league. And then the fourth was kind of a tie. Go to the, the NCAAs and have a 20-plus win season. That, that was the fourth one. So we're focusing on the top three. The, the four falls below the line. So those three things are what we're focused on right now going into this season. And those are our goals. And we will not, and I will not make this mistake again. I will not sacrifice the culture of this team to win a game. I will not do it. You're either going to do what our team says you're going to do from our culture, work hard, communicate, compete, all those things, or you're not going to play here no matter what. And so Everyone else will be on the bus to win an A-10 championship. You're going to be left off behind. That's what's most important. That commitment to our team will get us better every day. And that's what the girls want. They want that. They want to chemistry, unite. They all want to be rowing the same way. And then they want to win an A-10 championship. And then they want to be the best defensive team in the league. And so those are our goals this year. We set them. They put them on paper. And they happen to, to men now. I put rebounding in there. I want to be the best rebounding team <laughs> before defensive, but I'll take either or. And so I think they're really, really good goals that the girls set for themselves that mirror us coaches to a T. They really do. And so we're all on the same page to start with. Can't, can't love that anymore. Got to love that everybody's on the, on the same page there. Uh, so as we do wrap this up, one last question that I do want to ask you, obviously, uh, Archie Miller coming in as a new head coach for 
Rhodey men's basketball. You've been here now a little over two years or so. Uh, what's some advice that you would give to Archie, you know, coming into his first season at, at, at Rhodey? You know, I, I really don't have to give him advice. You know, I've, I've watched his practices. I've watched how he operates. He's a seasoned head coach. He really doesn't need advice from me because he is a workaholic. He is, you know, talk about an intense coach that I think this school needs. I think they need someone that's coming in, that's setting the tone, that's setting the culture. And it's the same thing. If you ain't on the bus, get the hell off the bus, leave. And that's the kind of guy he is. It's something I love about him, his attention to detail, all the things that, that make him a great coach. And, and he also has patience. I know he knows, he sees the process. It's not like he's coming in. You don't hear him talking, oh, we're going to win an A-10 champ. He, you don't hear him. He says, this is a process. I got to get my guys in here. I got to get these guys bought into our culture. This is how we're going to play. And I know, and we're going to build it brick by brick. And so- you know, if I give him any advice, it's stay off social media. Don't look at what the naysayers say and keep your head down and earmuffs on and nose to the grindstone, which is what he's going to do. I, I really don't think he'll he'll let much affect him. But, you know, because people can people can be rough here. You know, I don't I don't know if people are realists. Fans are realists here sometimes that I know they want to win championships. I, I get it. But, you know, give cut this guy a break. It's a process. You know, he's got to turn this ship around and brick by brick. And he will because he's dedicated to it. If you if you want to, you know, come watch one of his practices, come watch it. The man works, his staff works, and they're committed to building something special here and giving giving Rhodey that championship. It's not for lack of effort because this guy, he is he's all business. And I tell you what, it, it's a it's a sight to see. I love it. I love it. And, you know, we watch, we sit and watch his practices and we steal things from him. So I really don't need to give him much. And the way he is, is really the way I am. I'm a little bit more lighthearted than him, but his attention to detail, his process driven, he's, he's everything that I believe in as a head coach and watching him every day. When you walk by, you walk in, you sit and practice for 10 minutes. Oh, you get that feel. It's a different atmosphere in the Ryan Center when when Archie's on the floor and it's it's really great to see it really is and the guys they've really responded to it they have I and you know they they're on they're on the bus so it's uh it's going to be again but basketball in Rhode Island in the future it's got a very very bright future and the fans you know you need to come out and support now don't jump on the bandwagon once the guy starts winning. Get out and give him what he needs now. Get out and pack that Ryan Center now. You know, it, it, that's, that's what they need. They need you from day one, not when they win an A-10 championship or when suddenly they're winning and suddenly you guys want to come out. They, they need you now. And, you know, I think that's important. I think true fans, they should come out this year. I got to I got to also say they should come out to your games as well uh equally you know cuz the 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 bus is is going to run away without them but they got to make sure to get those season tickets you know or the women's flex plans you know reach out to Rhodey tickets take care of that uh URI has you know the women's team has their first game away at Harvard uh on Monday at seven o'clock. And then they will be their first home games happening a week from today against Dartmouth at home, that game at one o'clock at the Ryan center. So obviously make sure to do that. And coach Reese, thank you so much for your time. 
good luck this season uh, with this women's team. I know that myself and Andrew are very excited uh, to see what is to come. And, you know, all this conversation has done. It's just hyped me to run through that brick wall one more time uh, just for this team. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we uh, we appreciate your time uh, on Rudy Baseline. And, and thank you so much uh, for joining our season preview episode. Thank you guys from day one. You've been our biggest supporters and can't appreciate you guys anymore. So love the coverage and, and love seeing you guys and all year long. Can't wait. Go roadie. All right. We want to thank Tammy. Always a huge fan and guest on our podcast. We want to thank her very much for coming out. We wish her and the ladies a great season and stay healthy and have a blast this season. Yeah, uh, with that, that will end our season preview episode one of Rody Baseline. Don't forget, the men's team is at home tonight against Queen of Piac. That game, 7 p.m. at the Ryan Center. If you can't make it to the Ryan Center, game will also be on ESPN Plus in your view. And the Rody women's team is away at Harvard. That game at 7 p.m. tonight. At Harvard, that game also on ESPN+. Plus. Remember to follow us on all social media platforms at Rudy Baseline. Make sure to subscribe and hit that button just so you can find out when our next episode comes out. And as always, go Rudy! Go Rudy!